Hello again. I'm Steve Longo, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Rock and Roll Show and Tell, coming to you from the No Gloom Ballroom. It's episode one of season two. Welcome back to Rock and Roll Show and Tell. Today, we're going to kick it off with Carmine Rojas, bass player, but far more than a bass player. You might know his work from David Bowie. He played on Let's Dance, China Girl, Modern Love, Blue Jean. He's on the live DVD. Or maybe you saw him as the musical director for Julian Lennon. Or perhaps when he toured with Rod Stewart. Or maybe any of these other people, Keith Richards, Stevie Wonder, Ron Woods, Stevie Ray Vaughan, B.B. King, Mick Jagger, Eric Clapton, Joe Bonamassa, and the list goes on and on. You're gonna enjoy this one, an old friend from back in the day, reconnecting after a long time, Carmine Rojas. There you are, man. We are already off to the, a wild start. This is like, I, I, you know what? I need to be in the studio for this call. I, I really do. I just need to be. I need to be in this. Well, yeah, I, go to the stream tomorrow. Oh, the, yeah, I'll go to the stream tomorrow. I got to go back into the studio. And which, by the way, um, even though it's just a it's just a virtual picture, uh, this is my this is my studio. And you can send things in here, and I can send things out of here, just like a rhythm section. So there you go. Keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, always. Yeah, always open, like uh, like White Castle. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. So man, I mean, if we had to stop ourselves five times today, just. Uh, I don't even remember what the last time we talked, and I'm so disappointed that I didn't see that show because oh, what I, show was that? Uh, the the Bowie, um, you know the uh, oh yeah, yeah. Bowie celebration. Yeah, yeah, the Bowie celebration. Yeah, with the alumni. That yeah, man. I mean that I missed that. And was was uh, Nile there as well? No, no. It's actually only uh, in this situation with Slick at that point at that that year. Slick. it was a uh, Slick. Uh, Bernard Fowler. Oh, Bernard. Yeah, yeah Slick Sum was playing drums. Uh, Corey, Corey from Living Color. So uh, there's a lot of guys from Brooklyn. Mike Garson. Wow. A lot of people. And this year, we have Alan Childs on drums. Oh, he's a, I love, I, I love the way Alan plays. He's yeah. a great player. And the Glass Spider Tour, so we were there together. And it was Sash Jordan, uh, Corey, uh, Charlie Sexton this year, but it's, it, because of the virus, you know, you have to catch it down. To well, we should, um, you know, we should uh, keep this thing going, keep everybody connected, and, you know, invite some of those guys on. I haven't seen Corey, uh, God, since Barbat. Um, and for anybody who cares, we're talking about Corey Glover from Living Color. Um, Amazing. You know, he was, when, when Endwhistle called me up to put the band together, he was one of the first people that we talked about as a vocalist. He would have been a monster. 
it would have been perfect. It was it's just an awesome. Mm-hmm. That would have been that would have been actually just right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, he yeah, it would have been. I, I don't know where well, you never know. Listen, you know, if the if the queen had balls she'd be the king, right? <laughs> and she is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's <laughs> so I gotta know about you know, the beginning, because, you know, the one thing that you and I never got a chance to do very much was sit and just talk about the stuff. And like I told you earlier, the idea of this whole show was for me, because we're not going to have any backstage for a little while. And we're not going to have any hotel lobby or hotel bar for a little while. But that doesn't mean I, I can do without this. This is actually perfect because we got time to hang out. You know, we're not we're not getting fucked up on the corner somewhere. We're not being crowded by a bunch of people because it's always a distraction whenever we go to a club. You know, we give each other a, a less than two minutes, and then something else happens. Then we catch up to each other at the other end of the bar or whatever the situation is. Yeah, Mark uh, Rivera. China Club. <laughs> What's that, baby? Mark Rivera's on. Mark's wa- he's watching well, the show. That, media Studios. He he, stu- <laughs> he's he's, he snuck down to Thanksgiving dinner, but he's still watching the game. <laughs> yeah, like you were saying, La Barbat, yeah. you know, China Club. There's a lot of clubs that we were all used to go to. Nevada, I mean, Nevada, you know, yeah. top floor. I mean, there was a, there was a lot going on for us in New York, and it was a lot of us being really busy on different levels. But yeah. we, were, we all had a lot of work and we were all just kind of intertwined or run into each other. But for you, so we can start this properly, if you know I'm from Brooklyn, <laughs> we can start there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hey. And getting out of Brooklyn was no easy feat, just like it is Queens or whatever, wherever we all come from, our backgrounds. But getting out, doing something that you love to do, uh, passionate, it's a very difficult feat because you have a lot of obstacles in front of you. Whether they're racial, colorblind, or whatever it is, there's a battle you gotta get through to get to the points, places where we are, like you and I did. We fought hardcore to get through all that stuff, to get that kind of respect, and not realizing ever, I know I don't, I know, you, I know you're the same, if we're ever gonna get there, to that point. You know, we go to the film more, we go to see Humble Pie, we go see, James Brown or whatever because and that's what you want to do because you feel it you know and it's, it's like we work really hard at it you know you you know busted your ass through this stuff and New York there was a million musicians and to get out of the fucker was not easy it's a bitch it, uh, believe me man I, you know and, and the thing about it is and I think the one thing that you know the more I talk to my friends on you know in this format the one thing that I realize is yeah, we wanted to get out, but that's not really where our focus was on making it better and making it bigger and making it stronger. And that's what got us out. We were so focused on how much we loved what we were doing that, exactly. you know, and that that's... Focus. Yeah, that, people don't understand that focus is really important because you have to have your social skills and your talent have to work together and your visibility, which is my I call my pyramid. You know, that has to really lock in, not mechanically, not as a 400% plan, but a plan to get the fuck out. Yeah. You know, and find a team of people that are going the same direction. Impossible. But, you know, at a young age, you're getting thrown left and right with a bunch of stuff, you know. But we had a lot of heroes, man, back then. We had a lot of great, you know, you know, we as kids, all of us had, uh, you know, like I said, James Brown. Oh. David Bowie, you know, mm-hmm. Elvis Presley. We had a lot of stuff that we could be a part of 
and be be who we want to be. You know, be a mixture of it. Well, you know, the, the, uh, first of all, I'm going to tell you a great James Brown story because I love It's one of my favorite stories. In, in the early 60s, when he was still with the Flames and he had the two drummers playing the Vox drums, I mean, Maceo Parker, the whole nine, right? He's going to play at the RKO Theater in White Plains. And my, my friend wound up growing up to my bass player and I, 12 years old, we get tickets. We are the only white kids in the place. But, I mean, I know everything. I'm doing the camel walk. I got the whole, I, it's just in my heart, right? And so, if you remember that show, he he starts over stage left. He does his dance, goes over stage left, and throws a cufflink out. Comes over stage right, and my friend and I are, like, in the fourth row, and we're glowing like ghosts. And he looks down at us, and he smiles, and he throws his cufflink right at me. And I jump up, and I feel it hit the palm of my hand, and all of a sudden, blam, I am covered with women. Never saw it again. What a lucky day for you. Oh, mate, yeah, well, I was a little young to know how lucky I was, and I would have would have rather had the cufflink, but, you know, it was... exactly right, absolutely right. Yeah. Mitch Weissman says hello. Oh, Mitch Weissman's here with us. And Suzanne DeTorres. Oh, Suzanne. <laughs> great, 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 great lady. Yeah, awesome lady. we love Suzanne. Oh, yeah. Suzanne came with us. We, she's uh, she's been a, a a close friend since all those days. Yeah. I, she came with us when we did the Woodstock 30th, and she's she's got some horror stories. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's got lots of stories. She's, she's got, if she writes a book, we're all done for. <laughs> That's right. Speaking yeah, of special, special lady. I mean, always. In the past, and always will be. She's just amen to that. Yep. Cool girl. Yeah, but um, well, let let's go. You know, I mean, you talk about getting out. I mean, yeah, I, what got bad. you out? How did you get out to begin with? You had to stay out, and that's down to you. In but the long, in the long run, it, what got me out? What got me out and stay out, which is which is another trauma. You know, uh, getting out was being involved in different kinds of bands. You know, growing up and see, like I said, going to the Fillmore, going to the Electric Circus back in the day, seeing James Gang or seeing the Stones or seeing Tina Turner. Um, I had thought in my head, growing up Latin and R&B, that you could mix the rock together. You know, and then and then fucking Santana just blew the shit through the door. Mm-hmm. Miles Davis and Santana just blew it through the door going, oh my God, mm-hmm. that shit is powerful and anything is possible. And if you remember back in the day, we had AM radio playing Black Sabbath and Frank Sinatra. <laughs> you know, we, it was just music to us. So you can combine all of it together and make sense of it. And in my head, I, it was important to be versatile, not just be one kind of a player. For me, I, I needed to be a funk player, a rock player, a jazz player, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a combination of it to get me out. Because I just noticed there were a lot of gigs there and I could do a bunch of gigs. And if I just play here and then go there, and I just kept doing it for the rest of my life. Being able to play, uh, like I said, with you know, with Rod Stewart or with Joe Bonamassa or with David Bowie, or play with a Latin band, or play with a flamenco band or an Arabic band. I, you know, I made myself available mentally because that's, it was more important to be international than being a local star. And and I, you know, I remember that about you. I remember, you know, when we would do the jams or any of that stuff. You cross over to play anything; it didn't matter, and it was authentic. And that that's something I always admired. But the the thing that I'm wondering is, what is the gig that got you out from you know that to the mainstream? What was the gig that that 
made the he difference. Big gap, yeah, was was uh, Mark Rivera. He was there for this too, as we were kids. A band called Buff, B U F F. Oh. <laughs> we auditioned for LaBelle. We were from Brooklyn, and LaBelle was doing these auditions in New York, and there were like like fifty bands, and it was down to the last two. Now the other band was Haystack Balboa. I remember them. Yeah, they, they were up there with Haystack Balboa and LaBelle were one of the band like the Jet. They wanted to look like the Jeff Beck group, sound like Jeff Beck group, Santana and Watt. They wanted a band like that. So wow. we ended up getting the gig because we were the combination of all that, the Jeff Beck group, Santana and Watt. Wow. So they wanted to be English, American, and still have funk and soul roots. Because LaBelle was really much more rock and combination of R&B. Gospel rock was really, was absolutely really what LaBelle was doing back in the day. And we were kids, and that's how we got the gig to get out. Luckily, because of that, because of LaBelle, Patty LaBelle, and I give them Nona Hendrix, Sarah, Patty, and Vicky, the most credits of, on the planet, most most gratefulness for me. <clears throat> um, they were, they're the ones who helped get me out because they believed in us. You know, you know we were like 19 years old, Eddie Martinez, you know, there's a bunch of us, Tony Thompson, Omar Akeem. There was a bunch of us. Omar. Yeah, we were all in that bank coming on the ranks, you know, and they were so supportive and they had stories and they have their life histories. And we were just, you know, looking at the elders and they, they just took us on. And we were opening up for The Who, which we did the Gator Bowl 76. Wow. And we did, you know, Danny Hathaway, Earth, Wind & Fire. Um, we were opening up for a lot of bands. Curtis Mayfield. <clears throat> so it was a combination between English bands and R&B bands in LaBelle. So we got to, we got to smell and taste the different, the different qualities mm-hmm. of what it's like to be backstage with, you know, with gear and amps and roadies, English <laughs> accents. Um, so we got, to, we got to be a part of that, that suit and it was awesome. And all we had to do is keep our ability and keep our wits mm-hmm. in some sort of focus to get through all that. That's, uh, yeah, man, that's amazing. Well, she, you know, I, I, I love Patti LaBelle. I, I, I have, I, I love her pie, even. I love her sweet potato pie. Her sweet potato pie. pie. <laughs> she, she's she, got a whole real. line of oh, she's That's she, real. Oh, yeah, man, tell me. Yeah. yeah, she cooked on tour, too, because we were, like, staying in, in little small guest rooms with a bunch of us in the same room. And she would do, when she starts cooking, it, you know, the worst thing is you can't eat it before the show because you'd be busy dribbling in the corner. I know that. Oh. Yeah. Stay awake because it was deep. <laughs> it was like heroin, you know. It's like I know yeah. you're going down. Oh, you know, Thanksgiving big time. Yeah, I hear you. Well, you know, Mark said he's coming back, but we know he's down there eating turkey, and he's probably no, not going to. He's gonna... still on. He went. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. We'll see him dribbling. We'll see his head yeah, down. He said to not tell his wife that he's on. Oh, yeah, oh okay. He's, he's, and it was because of the band called Buff, audition with LaBelle, that's what actually got me out. That was one way of getting out, and and I, I spent a few years on that tour with them, you know. Wow. Uh, and my first my first recording was with them too, professional recording, and the producer was Stevie Wonder. So wow. I, I, I got, I was fortunate, licking my ass or pissing my pants, but 1972, called um, Pressure Cooker album, and there was two tracks that Stevie was producing, and I got to play bass on it. Wow! And I was nervous as hell because I had to set up next to him. You know, and it was it was just nerve wracking because it was the first time sitting next to some sort of hero, a serious hero. Yeah, you know? very and, serious uh, hero. Yeah, and Labelle, Labelle, Nona and Vicky trusted that I would come through and be there, solid. So they had their, I had their confidence, 
And it was just, you know, half my head was in the right place. Mother had it screaming. <laughs> you know, like, ah, run, run, you know. But uh, I had to put my weight, weight and go in 72 on that, on that record. And when it was done, it actually made the record. And it was, it was I don't know if I could reproduce that bass line again, but wow, it was, it was my, uh, my attempt to be Chuck Rainey and James Jameson at the same time and Puerto Rican in the middle. Who, by the way... James Jameson is is the only. Uh oh, someone's knocking at the door. James Jameson is the, is one of the guys that Entwistle acknowledged as somebody that he really admired. Yeah. Should we let him in? He's he's knocking on the door. Do we let him in? He's banging. <laughs> okay. Well, so, all right. Okay, kid. No drinking for you though. Here he comes. This guy's at home. Ding dong! This guy's at home is where it's all about. You, you, you were. Oh, are they listening to us downstairs? Now, what the folks at home might not know is oh. uh, these two guys grew up with each other. Oh, oh no! We're, but we're not supposed to out. Uh, out. Well, come on. We get this. We don't get to sneak around with stuff that much. <laughs> you got a chance to sneak around. You sneak a little bit. Oh, you're not putting him on the screen. He's on the screen. Oh, okay. You're on a delay. Thirty seconds. There he is. Ah. But that's not him. So shh. <laughs> shh. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> We're not telling her. So I'll um, get out of your way real quickly. I no, there's no get out of your way. My own way, so I don't have any trouble. Karma, when you're talking about Buff and the whole thing, yes. that whole time, you said something. The most powerful thing you said to me was getting out. And there's a great, a great Frank Sinatra quote that said, "Getting out of Hoboken took." A, a massive amount of energy and, 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 and perseverance. But one bad gig, and you're out. Of, in other words, the trip out of Hoboken into Manhattan took half a lifetime. One bad gig, and you were out of there faster than God made apples. And so that's the to your to your point. That pyramid of of, of the yeah, talent, talent, and um, personality. Yeah. It, it, it's all a mixture because you only play for a couple of hours. You got to be the soul that you are, that we've been. Thank God. Yeah. That's what. I, and and I really got to get back to my wife. But I, <laughs> frankly, this Steve, I want to be back on this every chance you yeah, allow me, me to be. You too, please. Come on, I love you so much, man. I, I, I had to get it, but I'm off like a, as I say, I'm off like a problem. Let me tell. Let me let me tell you what's the best He's part about this for me. The, the, I know the best part of this for me, man, is that you have to sneak to be here. So it makes me feel like 15 again. I didn't plan this. I have company. I have company today. But I'm all, I'm off. Come on, we will be in touch. Steve, Lord, thank you so much. I love you, love you, love you. Hey, stop I love you time, too, bro. Mark. Yeah, you're always welcome. Yeah, man. you know that. I love you. Take care. God bless. Have fun. How about uh, that that's, special treat? That's oh, just, you know, I'll tell you what, for me, and I've been doing this, I guess, well, since the COVID thing, since, since March, March, so however yeah. long that's been. Yep. And, um, we've been in the same bubble. Yeah, we've been in a bubble for like for seven months. We, you know, nobody's yeah. come into the house and, and so on. Um, but when I started, you know, when I started doing the show, I was just playing Rat Race Choir clips or Mountain Clips or Ant Whistle Clips. And then... Rat Race Choir, I remember that. Yeah, that was, that's where it started. That's what got me out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what got him out. That's what got me out. Um, 
and and then you know you can only tell so many stories and and I was doing Zoom meetings and Randy Jackson from Zebra said you ought to you know call your friends and here we are and this is what just happened here is exactly what I was praying for that spontaneous combustion between people that love each other through music and it's just it's cool. I mean, it, it's it's just it's beautiful that. You know, in a blessing way, that we're still alive to talk about it. Yeah. You know, a, yeah. Lot of, a lot of our friends never, never made it. Even from back in the day, you know, the ones who tried really hard and just couldn't keep their focus clear. Um, but it's, it, it shouldn't be a mechanical focus. It, it's got to be organic, like you said earlier. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. You know, everything, as a matter of fact, everything like the planet has to be organic for something to work. But you, you, you can't, you'll never do it alone. You always have a team. There's always, there's always, you need a team to, to get to a certain direction, certain place, and, and you can't, you can never do it alone. Yeah. You have to give praise to, like, like we do, to a lot of people, you know, to, yeah. to be able to have a Zoom, to us to talk to, to us to talk to each other like this, to hang. Right. Um, we, we, we have to be really grateful and thankful, you know, for, just be just just to hang. Yeah, well, exactly, and man. And you're in and, LA, we're in Florida, yeah, and Mark's in New York. Yeah, so that's the yeah, big yeah. that's the big, that's the fertile triangle of music right there. <laughs> the triangle, yeah, exactly. Uh, this is you know, I I think back and and you saw the picture from the office in the China Club, and I remember. Oh, in, in fact, I have that. Yeah, I have. I think I have. Remember that? I remember that night. Yeah, um, where is it? I probably put it yeah, up here. I did. Here it is. Here it is. There it is. He was a, a producer, a ranger writer from out of Los Angeles. He was a New Yorker too, actual, an actual real New Yorker. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was every Monday and Wednesday. Yeah, that, night. I mean, so I, that, it was <laughs> like. It's a good memory, girl. <laughs> Y'all yeah. believe me. And I, and I, for one, have no idea why. Sure. <laughs> because going home, when I we would go home for this. Funny story. I'll throw her under the bus for a minute. Because you gave me free drink tickets. We were yeah. Because well, I gave her free drink tickets. That's that's what happened. I gave her free drink tickets. Uh, we used to be on the way home, and we were living in in we were living upstate uh, in Westchester, about fifty miles, I mean, a little less than an hour ride. Easy peasy, right? Under the proper circumstances. And I'd say to her, "Look, you know, it's just the two of us in the car. Please don't go asleep. You know, fall asleep. Otherwise, I got to drive by myself." She'd be okay, and I'd say, "No, no, no. You're you're drunk." How many drinks did you have? I just had one. And then before we got on the parkway, she's leaning up against the window. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to have a little fun with this. And for years, she didn't know this. And I start dry, start doing this with the car, back and forth, as we're going down the highway, as we're going down the highway. And then all of a sudden, she wakes up and goes, pull over, pull over. Yeah, almost every week. Almost every you. week. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, say, you say Monday and Wednesday, but it's pretty much every day. Much every it was day. pretty much every day, yeah. If, if, if we were all in town, because you know, most of the time a lot of us were gone, and, we, and then we were just happy to be back, 
and we just kind of get in, drop our bags, and hit to the club. It's the truth. You, know, you get get into town, and uh, man, you weren't even unpacked, and you were down there. It's what it was. Tell me what you remember about Carlos yeah. walking into the China Club at two in the morning well, on some nights. What, what would he say? What Carlos would say? What Carmine would very simply say, good morning, good morning. No, ma- no matter when good it was. Morning. That's, right. That's right, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I remember that. I did clear as day. Yeah. So, now, um, give me the clue. Uh, you do LaBelle for a couple of years, and you and Mark did that together for the whole time? Well, Mark and I, it was two separate bands. We were we had the same manager somehow. Oh, oh, oh I see, okay. We were managed by the same kind of guy. They didn't have any real power, but they were the nicest guys, and that's how we met because of that, you know. And coming out of Brooklyn, and um, there were a lot of Brooklyn bands, you know. But if the way to get out was what's the deal? Um, after LaBelle, um, I was living in Philly at the time. This is this is seventy two, seventy three. Philadelphia. I moved to Philly because we were on our way to California, but the car broke down. <laughs> So stay here. We ended up doing gigs in Philly for that percussion place from Philly. <laughs> and uh, that led into LaBelle and other projects, a band called Baby Grand, which uh, which later on changed them to the Hooters. Ah. Rob and Eric. Rob and Eric were in a band called Baby Grand. We were on Arista Records together with Dave Prater on drums. Okay, wait, the Hooters? The, the, and, and we the dance? Yeah, before the Hooters were the Hooters. Yeah, they were from Philly. Because because uh, Tommy Williams played with the Hooters. Yeah, but later on. Later, right. Yeah, yeah and then um, Amazing. we were called Baby Grant on Arista Records. Wow. So I was wow. Really doing that and then doing um, Sigma, some session of Sigma, which which I was whenever I was allowed to because they had such a mafia in there, a mafia gang in there. And uh, lived there for, for nine years in Philly. Wow. Lived nine years and then because of Philly, Baby Grant happened. I was back and forth. And then LaBelle, we had to hit Lady Marmalade in 75, 76. Oh. And then we went back on the road with LaBelle. And this time it was Tony Thompson, Eddie Martinez, Jose Rossi on percussion. Everyone that was in the band, Dave Prater, everyone that was in the band ended up doing wonderfully in their own lives afterwards. And, yeah. I mean, that was such a smash. That so Did you know in the studio that that was... I loved that song. I love the remake, too, with uh, with Little Kim and uh, Christina. Right, right. Now, but the studio was, was Alan Tucson, who produced the first album and the second album. New Orleans. The second album. Mm-hmm. It, was all the new, it was all the guys from the meters. Oh. Oh, so yeah, that's Sea Saint, his, his place. Which Order, Studios. Um, Bays, you know, those kind of guys. Sea Saint Studios. Yeah, we I'm from down, there. We went down for six weeks and recorded... Uh, Recorded the second album, uh, I think it was called Phoenix, hmm. and that led to more stuff, other projects with other people, and it just and then from there, uh, somehow some weird way, I got connected to a German British band called Nectar. Wow, well, I remember Nectar. Nexus. Yeah, yeah. Nectar. they were a prog band from Germany and England. Combination, uh, remember the future, recycle. They were they were huge in the 70s, early 70s, and I moved back to Europe with them, 1980. Wow. to live in Europe because I wanted to get out of the country and look for something different mm-hmm. you know or use my abilities in a different way um, because I just thought you know I'm kind of stifling myself I'm not learning anything and I wanted to play differently and because out of that going moving to Europe I got to play with a pick and play keyboards <laughs> and bass pedals because of the, the English band right and, and I was a big Yes fan too Yes yeah. fan and General yeah. Giant fan 
So my head was doing that, besides all the Latin R&B stuff. Uh, and then in the middle, you know, doing doing whatever weird stuff that was available. But I had, I had I was always into the prog and rock stuff, humble pie, that kind of rock stuff. And then oh, we yeah. had the ELP, General Giant, and I was a big Yes fan. And Nectar allowed me to to open up my head with it, with that kind of stuff. Wow! Yeah, yeah. when I, it's funny you mentioned General Giant because when you were talking about Nexus, I was going to ask you about General Giant because when we were when we back back when that stuff was out we were playing just the same two weeks in Spain um, what was the other one uh, Freehand yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the one with the coin drop yeah I think, the thing with the, with the coin would drop in the ring that, that's how the song yeah ring, 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 ring. yeah it was uh, I loved playing that stuff I, I loved playing that stuff yeah. and with Baby Grant too it was it, it led to the Nectar thing because it was all uh, kind of an English pop rock kind of and who was in Nectar back then uh, the original when I played there was uh, Roy Albrighton the original guitar player singer yeah uh, Taff was on keyboards the original keyboard player mm -hmm. and Prater Dave Prater and myself ended up being a bass and drum on wow and we moved to, we did an album we did an album in the States and then we went to do a tour in Germany and then we just stayed we ended up living there staying there living there in Germany because it was closer to France and England and everything else and it was a completely new you know finding a new me yeah. my playing ability uh, the food, the people, the mannerism, closer to all the English prog stuff, like the German prog stuff, which is really pretty awesome. It's uh, very awesome. Underground bands in 77, you know, craft work. I mean, there was just a lot of really strange stuff going on in Germany. Trans Europe yeah. Express. Later on, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah but, but craft work, yeah. I mean, I remember that whole, I remember that, that whole scene when that whole Euro scene happened. And I, I didn't know that you were there then. See, that's, that's yeah, what's so it, great about it. this. We were watching it, watching it come up, come, you know, come up for the States. Before it actually was bigger in England or in the States, watching this stuff come up. Uh, Klaus, what's I going to tell the guy's name? Um, uh, it wasn't just it wasn't just Kraftwerk. It was another pass, a band called Passwork, Password or something, Pass something, Passport. Another band. Okay. And, and then at the same time, you had Brand X coming out of England with Phil Collins band, and you had those uh, National Health. You had those kind of bands coming out. You know, very, very progressive jazz bands. Yeah. And Blueprint's own solo stuff. So you were getting hit left and right with all this kind of stuff in Europe before I came back to America. So I had all this new material in my head, new stuff mm. that I was blending to see if I was able to do, you know, some of it, a lot of it, I fumbled through it, but I, I, but I knew what the spirit was of the parts. It's, uh, you know, it's amazing to hear, it's amazing to hear about that journey that way. I, you know, I mean, when I talked to Mark, Rivera or even Tommy Williams who wound up playing in the Hooters oh, later on it's just such a a carousel of coincidences and just you know divine intervention uh, that we've done all these things but then because of this I get to see how different a journey it was for you than it was for me because I came up the first I don't know, 15 years or, or whatever it was, almost 20 years in the same band. I, I came up from 68 to 88. I started playing with John uh, in 87. So, you know, about about 20 years. And I thought that's what it was going to be. I thought I was going to be like in a band like ELP or Led Zeppelin. You know, I was going to be that guy in that band. And then... The we, always to, we always try to find a home. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I'm looking to find a home because that's that's basically what we do subconsciously. We look for a place to get settled, and hopefully, it will prolong itself. Or the big guy, whoever we we're working for, will take care of us, and we can move forward as a team. Because that's always that's something we always wanted to be a part of is a team. You know, yeah, sorry to it, but there's a truth behind that, you know. Well, I got, you know, I got that feeling, and and it's it's interesting because I was, I guess it was a few years ago that uh, Laurie and I were, I don't remember what we were watching, and we saw the trio, uh, Bonamassa with Tal. Yes. And, with, uh, and I was like, oh, what? That was great, and Jason Bottom yeah. was playing. Was no, no, that's, that was, was no, that was something else. Oh. Um, yeah, Tal and you and, and Joe, and it was like, are you kidding me? Are, are we at NAMM? What's good? And I, I was so excited and yeah. so happy to see you guys together doing that gig. It was like, you know, it was... I just got very, very happy about that. Yeah. It was really cool. We were, we were fortunate that we got a, a great recording out of it, Live at the Beacon. You know, and Mick, uh, Rick Mellick was on keyboards from Australia. Oh, and okay. It was a great performance. And playing the Beacon, playing home, meant a lot to us. I, right next to the China Club. I mean, how close yeah, does it have to get? <laughs> you take the elevator downstairs in the Beacon and you go walk the tunnels and then you're at the China Club. Yeah. And how many times have we done that? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. But the doc, it's, it's, it's been well documented, um, which is one, again, I'm glad I got a chance to do that. Because to me, in my head, it was like it, it was like Humble Pie Live at the Fillmore. You know, mm-hmm. it was a big sound. And my approach at that point with Joe was to mix every fucking thing that I had and mix it all together on, on that recording. And you can hear me playing all kinds of stuff, all different kinds of colors. And Oh, I heard you, man. I, I heard you with my bad ear, brother. Believe me. That's, I mean, that's... I, uh, and the point that I was going to make about that and Bowie and, um, and uh, Rod is that I... You know, a lot of us have worked for guys or whatever. But I found whenever I saw the bands that you were in, especially the ones I just mentioned, I always felt like that was a a, a family situation. Everybody wasn't the mother and father, but I always got that family vibe as opposed to other guys where, you know, it's not that way. Yeah, and, we, brought it, we brought it with us. Yeah, well, that's... And with Bowie, Carlos Alama was the, the matriarch with us. Yeah, you know. So, and again, you know, I was just proud to be under his wing. Another, another proud Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. you know, like Mark. And it was just a guy who I looked up to, and he was a musical director for Bowie. And it was, it was, an, an, what I got out of it was an amazing journey out of it. Besides David, which is a whole other story. Yeah. You know, you know, which is another beautiful story because he's not. You know, people have these images. Some rock stars that we meet, you and I know, yeah, you know, we we admire and we idolize. We meet them going, man, what a cunt! Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wow, what a what a low bro, you know, low, low brow, you know. Low so, brow. You know, it's like, oh, come on, man, really, you know. Mm-hmm. But I've been very fortunate, and I, I guess, you know, there's there's, there's other gigs that I've actually turned down because I wasn't. I didn't, I just didn't think it was going to end up being. I can add what I wanted to be able to be at. And I, I have to make sure if I join something, I, I'm bringing me inside of it. You know, and it has to, and, and what I'm going to bring to it is the most major support because I'm always there. I'm like a soldier. Who's ever in the front, I will cover you. I will watch your back. And if something goes down, we got your back. I come from the old school like you do, yeah. same school. And you cover the guy in the front, whatever shape he's in. 
and David allowed it very freely, but Hamas allowed it very freely. You know, it was uh, cool. It's yeah. you're silly if you don't. And I'll tell you, when I was playing with Leslie West, and, and I love the yeah. way Leslie plays, yeah, but but and I, we were in one. Uh, incarnation of that band where I had been playing with this particular bass player for uh, almost 20 years and so there was chemistry and there was that family thing but Leslie didn't like that I think he felt excluded because it was I mean I need that I need to be in a band uh, you know I've, I say that on the show all the time I need to have brothers and 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 family I just I it's what I grew up it's what I always did it doesn't work it doesn't work as a unit and it, it won't sound great you know and again for us the foundation bass and drums has to be right yeah. or else the shit just crumbles sooner or later yeah you know, if that's not right then the rest of it sounds pretty weak I'm sorry, I don't care if you're a great songwriter. It's still the drums and bass somehow give it that floor that you can do whatever the fuck you want on top. And, you know, we're there solid. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of shit flying around this above, but we have to be solid for the foundation. And Exactly. Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, the, it's funny because the some of the best conversations that I've had have been with my, my brothers in time bass players because nobody gets it you know, like a bass player. And I was t talking to Mark Rivera yesterday, and I I would have sworn, if I had to bet, I would have sworn that he came up with a horn. And he said that his first, his first real serious instrument that he played was bass. And yeah. that gave me such... He played across the board, Mark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, just, just amazing. Yeah. And you know, and he sings great too. Uh, yeah, um, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're watching. Um, he's out with Ringo, right? He's out yeah. doing Ringo. And um, who's the guy that did the logical song? Uh, 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 Super Tramp. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, the guys sing. I, I'm sorry, not the logical no. song. It was the. It was. Um, it was Rosanna. It was Rosanna. By Toto. It was uh, Steve, Stevie, Lukather was yeah. playing. Lukather. Yeah. And he sings the verse, and when they get to the part where it goes, I don't want to do where it takes a step up, Mark was singing it. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and I was like, I was smacked back, because I, I love a great vocal. I, you know, I, and, and you man. you never really hear him sing. What a voice on the yeah. dude. Did you see him on, did you see Mark on a... A proper hound, uh, what's his name? Um, yes. Shade of Gary Brooker. Playing the organ. Playing yeah. The yeah. Organ, B3. You know, like, uh, the second organ and playing the, the B3. Yeah. And playing the parts beautifully, you know? Did you did he ever tell you the story of that? Because I'm 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 yeah. trying to bait him to come back in. <laughs> I don't think he's on anymore. I think he's with yeah. the company. He did a beautiful job. <laughs> he's oh, is the family one? Yeah, the family. Oh, okay. He's not coming back. <laughs> He's gone. He's not coming back. Oh man! I right, listen. I'm going to take a very quick break. I got a um, uh, commercial to play and 45 seconds, and we'll be right back, bro. All right. If you need longer, you need a break or anything. You you good? I'll go for wins. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I'll meet you back here. You got it. All right. <laughs>
Yeah, no, I'm good. We're good. We're here. What a talented guy, huh? Amazing guy. Like but, a lot of people. And the thing about it is, you know, you throw down with a guy like that, and you really get to see what he's made of. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, those China Club jams, he, oh, yeah. you know, you just slip right into whatever we were doing. Wow, China Club jams. Yeah, yeah. China Club we jams. How talented you were. Yeah, man. I, you know, and for me, not, and believe me, I'm not blowing smoke. Um, there's no reason to do that. But any time that we ever had the chance to throw down, it was always solid. And you depend on that. Yeah. I I think the, you know, I've done a lot of jams over the years. Hey, you want to sit in? Or, hey, come on. And the, the jams that we did, especially in the city, the, especially those, the music was always good. It was not... It was never schlock. It was always good. We, we always knew the songs. We, we kind of knew the songs, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we all supported each other. Going, what's that? What's that bridge part? So we all looked at each other's hand. Mitch Weissman, you know. Turn around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know, and I think, you know, just like probably in in all of your the things that you did, you know, where you go from one gig to the next gig because you know it's that's based on reputation. I think. The jams that we did, especially the Mondays and Wednesdays, I think those grew by reputations because I'm sure that when Paul Stanley went back to play with Kiss or when Townsend went back to play with The Who or whoever, I think they knew they played with some guys in New York and said, hey, when you play in the garden, stop by China Club. <laughs> yeah. but the, the, and there's a plus to it because in the 80s, uh, it was a point somehow timed... Uh, we, uh, what do you call it? The industry changed a little bit, yeah. and Winwood, Steve Winwood, Jagger, Ron Wood, Bowie, a lot of them were living in New York, and then you know with now Rogers producing in excess, so people wanted New York players in the band. Brian Ferry, you know Roxy Music. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have players all involved: singers, bass player, guitar players, drummers, and we were being we were being used left or right, which is fantastic to be used that way. You know, it was uh, from 82 to, I guess, 90 or something. Uh, if you were in New York at the time with the power station or different studios, um, they were in town, a lot of the English artists. And that's how we got that jam with China Club, which put it on the map. They were on uh, Steve Ferroni's birthday with Steve Winwood, Ron Wood, Iggy Pop, Bowie, myself, and Carlos Alomar. Wow. Uh. The picture of it. It was the uh, one that put, helped put China Club on the map. 84, I think it was. Uh, I don't doubt that in the least. And, and I, you know, the... Oh, yeah, there's a picture of it. Yeah, there's... there's I, I was running some pictures of those times. Mm-hmm. I, that was a great night. Yeah. You know, we did, we did uh, you know, Give Me Some Lovin'. We did China Girl from Mickey Pop. We did each, each person's song, you know, that, that they were famous for, basically. Um, but it was it was just great to sit in there. We wouldn't, we wouldn't run in. It's just... Those, those moments that you you cher- you'll cherish, yeah. And again, being fortunate and blessed to be to be there, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, and those were you know that's the funny thing is you knew Bobby Mayo. I mean, yeah. Bobby, when oh, it's funny because I was talking to Mark about Bobby last night because uh, you know Bobby was in Rat Race Choir before he left. In, in he was in my band in '73. And then left to go. He was working on the Frampton thing, and then finally went. And him and Shelley and uh, and John took off with Peter, and they, you know, had a little bit of uh, good fortune. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but and I said to Mark last night, 
Bob would come home because we stayed friends after he laid, you know, I mean, you get a gig, you got to go, you know, see your brother. Go ahead. Okay, okay. We all do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's the unwritten rules. You know what I mean? If somebody gets to take a step up. You hold their hand and make sure they don't fall. Right. But um, every time he came home, he said, hey, I'm playing here. I'm playing there. And I'm thinking to myself, really? And we'd go play the loft or some crazy place. It was little he, places. he was just, uh, yeah, just little places. He, he, he was. Yeah, just he was just one of those guys. Yeah, we always we always come back home, and we always want to again be the gang, get, get with the gang. Whoever was in town, whoever was in the room, and we always played well together. We always played, you know. And I would always have one rule. I always had: I'm not going to jam. It doesn't matter where we are in the world: Japan, Alaska, Russia, South Africa. You're going to have a great drummer. I'm not going up there without a, without you know. Sad drummer? No, call somebody else. I need to, it has to be a great drummer. You know, in case we have to take it over, we'll take it over correctly, you know. Well, you've had some extraordinary guys. I mean, you've played with, you know, you've played the guys that I really respect and uh, and I know, believe me, uh, that goes right back the other way. If you if I don't have a bass player there and it's not even whether the guys good or not good if he doesn't lock with me if his one isn't my one the rest of it doesn't matter yeah exactly right no and you can they, be yeah. one. completely unknown because there's, there's, and you notice this as you're touring around the country around the world there's always great bands in these little cities you know whether you're in Cleveland or Tennessee or a, a small city in Germany they all have their little great bands or one or two of their great players and you go damn that guy needs to get out or something you know and you, and you want to be supportive they're great players everywhere, all kinds of different kind of players. And you just, again, you just have to, you know, again, blessing, you know. Yeah, I, I hear help, you. And help, and help pass it forward, you know, which is important. And the thing about you, the, the thing about what we do, you know, is it's not a, it's no different than those people that haven't gotten out yet. They just haven't gotten out yet. They're doing the same thing. But if you... I remember, and I, you know, I, I tell this story way too many times. I remember being struck by my need to play drums. I remember the moment that it happened. I was very, very young, and it's a, it's an old story. But ever since then, it's not something you can talk me out of. It's not like, well, you know, you something to fall back on. I have something to fall back on. It's called the stage. <laughs> and I fall. <laughs> To fall back on exactly the drummer, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, so I started when I when I started. Um, I got thrown into playing bass because I was in a bass player in his young band, um, and I kind of I really struggled through it because I was trying too hard. When I stopped trying hard, trying to memorize stuff or play stuff, after I got my fingers and everything, you know, kind of working because that's you know the blood and the blisters and all that stuff. Um, it took a while. It took me. It took three tries for me to get used to playing the bass. And being comfortable with it, you know, because I was trying too hard. I, so I stopped thinking about it and just let it just kind of grow, let it be part of who you are. What did he play? Not knowing that? subconsciously, that's what I was doing, and that's how it ended up being. Oh, okay, okay, this this is kind of cool, you know. Oh, this is a baseline. Oh, and then people are showing you stuff, which is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Having somebody there, because I never went to school at all, you know. I never, I didn't even read till later on. Yeah. And I just kind of, you know, fake my way through it enough where. You know, you follow the real good guys. You never run away from them. You, you tailgate the real good guys and then pick up shit, like, uh, and, and, you know, stuff like that. And years later in the studio, I started looking at the bass chart, which is pretty stingy to me, the way I was used to, the way I used to play. 
I look at the guitar charts and I can see the chords. I said, ah, okay, maybe I can add the chords to that bass line. Because I started playing chords on keyboards, which is one of my favorite instruments, um, which I'm not great at, but you know, I, I get by. But voices and chords help me do melodies like Jack Bruce yeah, would do. Yeah, of course. Changes, and that helped open up another door for me. Opening up the education, educating yourself, you know, whatever's out there, it, learn it all as much as you can. Even if you don't like it, figure out why, you know, you might end up liking it. <laughs> well, yeah, or, or at least you'll figure out why you don't like it and how to never make that sound again. I mean, if that's, you know, yeah, what it is. Yeah. But, you know, like, like there's different styles of drummers, different, different kind of bass players, and going, wow, that's a great sound. What is that? You know, again, I would always capture the spirit because that always seemed to come to me first and then figure out what the parts is later on. Well, you you, uh, you played some iconic uh, runs there, and you know, I mean, you've done some, you've done some very iconic stuff. Uh, you know, some yeah. some. I was allowed to. I was lucky to be allowed to, and David was like that. You know, like we, I had a competition. I think you guys already know about the China Girl thing. You know, I never heard the original Iggy Pop song. I never heard the original, so they were going through the changes, and I kept hearing like a rhyme, a, a childhood rhyme the chorus going I hear this thing you know something I heard a few days before which was um, uh, uh, Brian Jones playing vibraphone on Under My Thumb which I didn't I never heard that before until a few days ago before the session and he's playing these vibraphone and I'm going wow that's a fucking great part great the part same changes, the same same China Club changes in the chorus as the verses so I tried to figure out what the part was. I couldn't do it because there was one bar and two bar difference. So I'm thinking, let me just go da do da do da do da do da 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 like a real English rock thing. And the rest is history. It's like I said, man. That that's that's absolutely a touchstone moment. And you know, the fun thing, I don't know, and I'm going to go hawk my movie again. Do you have uh, do, you, do you have Prime out there, Amazon Prime? Yeah, big time. Okay, um, and I don't get any royalties for this. But have you That's seen cool. An Ox's Tail? Yes. Oh, you have. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Are they re-releasing it? Something or what's going on? No, it's yeah, well, on they re Amazon. they re-released it. No, it's on, it's out on Amazon, but they re-released it with uh, the extended interview that I did with Pete, an extra fifteen minutes. Oh no, I have to see that. I'll see it again. Yes, yeah, but yeah, but um, I don't even remember why I was going to ask you that. There was something the there. Bass part. The music. The way Ainsworth plays. Yeah, yeah, we know it was. A, what Pete was oh, that's right. Right about. Oh, you'll get this better than most. Um, my generation, right? Yes. When I when I'm doing because I started the film when John was alive, and I finished it obviously years after he passed, and so I asked Pete. We were sitting in the studio, and I said to him, um, "When you uh, when you did my generation, was the was the part for the bass already in there, or did that come later?" And he said, "Oh yeah." He said, "Oh yeah, I demoed it. I demoed it three times." He said, and I said, "And the bass solo was in there?" And he said, "Yeah, it was a cruddy old bass solo. I just you know did digga 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 to indicate where." And I thought, man, how precious a moment it is to really dig into that piece of you know history yeah, John did to it it's like a flamenco player you know the bass part doing triplets going whoa what the fuck that was yeah awesome. it you know, was that's, 
he was furious, man. And, and I, <laughs> when we would go at it, and that, and I'll tell you, you know, I thought I never really knew where I was going to go next. You know, in my in my career, John had the Who, and I was doing the Leslie thing, and later on, I did the the thing with the two guys from ACDC, and I, I've you know done some cool stuff, but I never knew where I was going to go next, and. The thing for me about coming up in the same band for 20 years is we had that 20 years of chemistry. We had that that thing, that DNA that was oh, imprinted okay. on you. I missed that. And man, me too. And to get that a second time over the course of 15 years with Entwistle was... And when we would go at it at one another, we'd be like snarling dogs. And the, one of the funniest things that he ever said, we were, we were starting to do press for a tour, and the guy said, uh, so, John, new band, what does it sound like? And he goes, well, it's bass and drums and some other guys. <laughs> And that's what it was. And that's what it was. That's yeah. what it was. That's he was, what it was. He was, he was precious, man. He's precious. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I uh, just finished the book. Uh, um, his son, who I'm still, I still love, like you know, family. Uh, we've stayed in touch over the years. My, his mom passed, and you know, everybody around him uh, that was close is just either gone or gone their way. But uh, Chris authorized a biography, oh, and. Sweet. You know, you know, John and I, we were joined yeah. at the hip for that portion of, of life. And after reading this thing, we finished it today. It was like, now I really got the complete picture. The guy did such a great job. It's not sensational, but it's accurate and amazing. It, it, and it's called appropriately The Ox. So, if yeah, you, yeah, it's, no, a, it's, it's just it's he always still should be remembered. Mm-hmm. Because he was he was pinnacle of bass lines, bass parts, bass sound, you know. And when they came out of the '60s, I mean, this is '65, '66, when things were really changing from you know uh, what do you call Paul Revere and the Raiders, <laughs> and you got the Who, you know, it was, it was pretty drastic. It's like it's like you know time changed. Yeah. Who, Hendrix, and Cream, you know, things were really getting louder. Basically, <laughs> they were. They were. Yeah. Well, th- thank you, Jim Marshall or Pete Townsend or whoever, you know, pushed that on. But uh, you know, it's amazing. And so, well, let me ask you that. Um, and then I'll get on to my questions. Did you get the questions? <laughs> yes, I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I still want to put you on the spot. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll just how how was Bowie about volume stage volume compared to say Rod? Just no problem. Never a problem because the gear, the way we were set up was so far away from the front. And David's center, he would have like four or five wedges around him for Sears Moonlight Tour. And then the Glass Spider, um, the same kind of thing. We, we had a lot, because it was all stadiums. So the distance was great. The Rod Stewart thing only changed later on after the vocal, when he had a, I spent 13 years with him, or oh, 15 years with him. He had a vocal operation. So we had to really be careful. So we had to put a shield up. But when I was in there in 88, 89, 90, 91, for the first seven years, he was blasting. And he would always sing, you know, wrong. He'd go ahead, always have the mic up. That's the wrong way of singing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, so I, later, I, it's going to affect you, but um, he was okay with volume at the point. But we still had to really be careful because, again, you're fighting uh, you're fighting tissue, not metal. Like, yeah. you know, guitars and drums or whatever. So, so we always had to be conscious of it because if you wanted to 
do four or five gigs in a row. You got to really be careful. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'll tell you what. It's. It's uh, especially for uh, for a guy like that, or well, for anybody really. It's yeah. you know when I was. Anybody who thinks you basically because when I uh, probably the last long I would not call it long term but the last extended touring thing that I did in a band situation was with Robin Zander and Zander had a rule uh, never what was it never three in a row two on one off two on one off and man but yeah. People were throwing money at that band, and he would not break that rule. And that's probably why the guy still sings his ass off to this day. Right. Which is really important for those kind of singers. Now, I don't know what Paul Rogers does. I don't know what he drinks or what fucking wakes up at sleep. But that motherfucker can still sing his ass off in the same key. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. That's Bonamassa at, at, the, at the Beacon, which was recorded, two songs. We end up doing... We were going to do a bad company song. We said, no, we want to do free songs. Songs from free. Ah. And when he sang, we were like, holy shit. It's like the real deal. And me and Joe, you can see it in the film. Me and Joe and I were like going, like little kids, you know, back there. <laughs> but he sang dead on. And to this day, he still sings in the same key, dead on. And I, don't yeah. know what he I don't know what he eats in the morning, but it's amazing for us. Well, you know, I I toured. It was it was a while ago, but I I did a year or you know a tour over course of a year with Ann Wilson and uh, man, and she never hit a bad note. She it was unbelievable, and it was not two on one off. This girl was she's like the female Robert Plant. She just went out there and wailed. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing. And on every night, but that's you know that's life at the top with those people. That's you know, and they took care of the voices. I mean, the rule was great. You know, you have to, you know, one on two on or whatever. You have to be careful as you get older. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I don't. I have no idea what what he eats in the morning, Paul Rogers. <laughs> well, it's, you I mean, know, he does it. He does it effortlessly. You know, it's just, it's just, yeah, correctly. You know, it's not, not drama. It's like you know, and we were blasting at the Beacon. You know, the beat is not—it's not, it's not that deep. And we were back no, I know. And he wanted to feel the whole thing, and uh, yeah, it came out. Came out. And him and that night was um, two songs with Beth Hart and two songs with uh, Paul Rogers on the on the film. He actually loved the Beacon with uh, Bonamassa. Came out great. Came yeah. Well, and I, and I know, I mean, it was probably before you guys did that show, but I did a show down, actually down here in Florida with uh, Paul. We were opening for Paul Rogers at Leslie. And man, the guy is like, you're right. Key of the record. Let's just go. Let's just go. Amazing. Amazing, Absolutely. amazing, amazing. But, but uh, what's the name from Cheap Trick? Ron. Robin. 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 Xander. Another good singer, man. Another old school great singer. Monster cool. guy. Yeah. And the fun thing about that band was... He didn't want to do, I mean, we, we kind of had to do the Cheap Trick hits, but right. he didn't want, he wanted to play Led Zeppelin, he wanted to do Cream, he wanted to do Beatles, I mean, he wanted to do, Baby yeah, Baby Blue, we were doing Bad Finger, it was, it was, oh, it was so much fun. Yeah, jump into the fire, the uh, Harry Niels, awesome, awesome. So he was going back to his childhood days and, you know, bringing it back, which is, which is something that we all tend to do, we go back to our basics. Most yeah. times, you just go back and, but this is lockdown, you know, that's what I've been doing, going back to a lot of classic stuff, looking for some new stuff, <clears throat> uh, different kind of uh, bass players or guitar players or singers or whatever, different kind of bands, progressive stuff, you know, some of it, 
a lot of it, it's hokey to me because it, it just don't, doesn't sound like it has foundation to it. Yeah. That's cool, but it's, but it's still something missing from it, for me. Yeah. I hear you. I, and, and what it is, is it's the DNA. It's the chemistry. It's yeah. the age. It's, you know, yeah. it's... Yeah, yeah. It's we, I, you know, I need that in anything that I do is the, you know, that connection. And that's why, you know, again, this is why I'm so glad that we're able to do this and reconnect. And I'll tell you what, y- you send me a figure, I'll send you back whatever you need, and then we'll see who gets it easy. next. Easy, easy. No, no, you know what? No worries. Trust me. Well, yeah, friend, friend to a friend, again, you know, old school partners. Yeah, there it is. So, so now, my questions. I have no idea what it is, but let's go. We're going for it. My questions. Okay. Favorite restaurant. You've been all around the world. Favorite restaurant. Oh, we're going to Sweden. Let's go to Perry's. Favorite restaurant on the road. Oh, man. Um, I have a def- I have a, a bistro in Amsterdam. That I love very much. I just can't think of the name. I'll, I'll send you all the stuff. There's a bistro in Amsterdam. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very much gluten free vegan at the moment. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And there's a, let me see if I, there's this place out here called Vegan Cafe. Vegan Sun Cafe. Oh, wait, what did it say it again? Vegan what cafe? Vegan Sun Cafe. Sun. Vegan Sun Cafe. Because I have a friend who's vegan, and I'm going to turn him on. Yeah, and there's a place called uh, from a girl from Brooklyn, uh, um, Pura Vita. P U R A V I T A. Pura Vita. Yeah, she does gluten free, and it's amazing pastas. Oh. Which is which? Uh, you know, my girl is Italian, but you know, it's it's hard to go that way because I, I, I you know. <laughs> uh, I, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and after that would be this. Okay. I can't think of the name. It doesn't matter. It's just, it's just, you know, this is just a little yeah. way for yeah, us to place, wrap and have some fun. All food in Puerto Rico. Most of the places I go to, like in Rome or um, uh, in Japan, most of the guys, most people, they, they own the place. So I get, I get really the real deal, the real stuff. And so, like I said, I'm vegan and gluten free, but I'll cheat Italian in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> There's and no vegan I'll Italian. Cheat, I'll, I'll cheat rice and beans in a minute too. So you know. yeah. But I, I still got to I still got to be well. But there's a place in Malibu called uh, uh, Cafe Havana, which is actually pretty cool. Ah, um, so we got a list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't, Australia has a lot of great places to eat. I mean, it depends what you depends what you're hungry for for seafood. But again, for me, I have to for the last well, twelve years, fifteen years, vegan and, and gluten free, which kept my diet down and kept uh, because I was having sinus problems uh, from certain foods, allergies, like milk. Oof. Wow. I have to really be careful with milk, shrimp, and something else. And so I had to kind of cut that stuff out. And actually, it helped. And just just watching what I eat and how I eat. and Because when you're in Europe, I mean, the cheeses and the coffees and the, 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 the bakeries, <laughs> you got to dive in. You know, it's just, there's no way around it. You're going to sneak shit at the, at the gig. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and then everybody wants to treat you well, and they bring you whatever. It's God. Yeah. The Italian promoters, they eat before the gig. I can't do that. I can't know? do that. I can't. I believe I can't do that. Italian promoters, they eat before the gig. They eat after the gig. They eat during the gig. <laughs> what I do, my excuse is, I have to go take a nap before the show, which, I, which is what I do before a show. I take a nap to get my head ready for it. So excuses me from eating the food at that point in time then I'll take the stuff later on 
Uh-huh. Yeah, well, no, of course. I mean, for look, what we do, especially, I mean, what I do is athletic. What you do is athletic. It's a, you know, we're not just. Yeah, you, got, you got four things going. Yeah, so five it's it's you five if they let me sing, but it's another thing. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, you know, you have to be in shape to, to start that race. And for me, it's always been... Um, you know, if, if I if I go get to a city the same day as the show, I will do the nap after the land, and then I'll go to sound check and either hang. But I always have lockdown an hour before the show. No food. No, too. you know, you gotta yeah, just on the bus, a dressing room. I'll take a nap. I just I kind of shut down for forty minutes, forty five minutes, uh, no more, close to an hour, and I'm ready to go because because you you need that. You need to you need to recharge and get ready to focus on the hit. Yeah, you know, what you're working for, but again, the vegan and gluten free plays that one, the two I gave you are absolutely brilliant in, well, in Los Angeles. I'm going to pass those on and uh, yeah, I, Cafe I, you know. Rana, Malibu, and I'll, I'll write to you about the place in Amsterdam, which I always go to. All right, cool. I always go to. What's cool. the other question? Okay, next question. There's only five. Is there five? Oh, one, two, three, that's five. Mark and, wanted and more left. Yeah, Mark wanted, Mark said, that's all? Only five? <laughs> well, I got, I got, <laughs> uh, I do have one. The restaurant thing, my girlfriend's food. We got to give the wives credit. Oh, d- no question. And we got it. And she's Italian. She's paisan. Yeah. Yeah. What was the name of it? Yeah. What What was the name of it? The. the her place. Her. Yeah. Alone. Her. No. Yeah. Her. Yeah. Yeah. The kitchen. Oh, like okay. you. Yeah, you Giving her kitchen. Giving her credit. Yeah. yeah. It's very funny. My my mother, my mother made my father's mother's traditional sauce right and I, oh, and I mean the recipe from the old country and the whole thing right and so I said uh, mom uh, give Lori that recipe so that you know I can enjoy this and she goes no I'm not giving it to her because you'll never come back <laughs> that's true yeah it's sad but true but you know another story alright so uh, so we move on there's a lot of great restaurants on the planet it's, it's, it's awesome it's I have awesome. the recipe now though yeah she's got the recipe that's, oh. that's all we need yeah. and when you come not only you know when you come because I've, I've got but space it's not vegan it's not vegan so okay. but we, we're signing you up for the red beans and rice oh I'm from New Orleans because she's from New Orleans so you got the Cajun thing oh, coming your way I'm in I'm in big time so okay so see once again I get to lead people astray which is my seems to be my mission in life alright song favorite song song you love to play live doesn't matter what it is favorite song to play Oh, that's oh, that's oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> a lot of songs, feel wise. Um, oh, that's tough. That's a tough one. I mean, if I'm in the Bowie camp, I always love playing Heroes. Oh, um, great song. Or, or, um, or um, Man of the World. What's it called? Is it Man of the World? Yeah, there's always there's a certain songs I love playing with David, like the old stuff, like the stuff in the '70s. Yeah. Uh, it's just just something about the parts. Were written so well or sloppy for the song. Uh, I still love doing the Rod Stewart stuff, which I do. Uh, Bonamassa, we were coming up, it's more original stuff, but um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I still love to play. The stuff I don't like to play is the stuff like you get caught in the jam, like going down or whatever. <laughs> I don't like, you know, stuff like that. I well, that, that's the next that's question. Right. That's the next question. Is, the next question is song you never want to play again ever as long as you live. If, if, if they do the Jeff Beck version, I'm in. No, yeah, right, me too. I'm going down. The Jeff Beck group had a great version of it, you know. It really boogies kind of well between the piano player and the bass player. 
Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, no. It's like, oh, no, you can do something different, you know? That was, um, oh, what was his name? It wasn't Nicky Max Hopkins. Nicky. Max Middleton. Max, yeah, Nicky was with the Jet Beck group, the first one, yeah. I love I, I had that eight track. Oh, <laughs> Ouch. Okay, moving on. Yes, dear. Instrument, other than yours, any instrument, didgeridoo, vibes, other than yours that you would like to be able to play? It would really, to be honest, it would have to be uh, like gospel Hammond organ. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I love the way those guys play, like a, like a, uh, Jimmy, like Jimmy Smith. Jimmy play. Smith, I knew you were going to say I Smithy. Love, I love the approach of it. And if, if, I, if I could be in a band like the Miss, uh, Mississippi Mass Choir, I love to be the guy behind there. Um, uh, On the, the pipe organ. Yeah, but more Hammond, more yeah, Hammond. It's like a really thrusting kind of a thing. Because something about the sound of uh, the bass pedals and the sound of the, of the chords and the voicings. And when you have you have a good gospel team, it's fucking just spiritual. Uh, it's just it's uplifting. I hear. Well, here I'll, I'll show you what I know. There, here's what I know about a Hammond. Oh, is that a, that's not a B three. Is this a B3? no? It's an A one hundred. A one hundred, okay. It's yeah. bigger than the B three. Yeah. No, well it's a B three on the inside, but the case it doesn't have the four legs. It's the same got, tone got, wheels got, and got all it. that whole thing. Oh. But yeah, so listen, we yeah, got yeah, stuff it. we got stuff to do, bro. That well that's my view from behind the kit. Yeah. But in a band, I would love to have been with Jimmy Smith as a bass player in a band. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff with the gospel in the way he plays. There's only a few people I'd love uh, to sit in with or something like that, you know. Well, that that uh, that's going to bring me to um, the next question, which is my favorite question. And I, I, you know, I try to do that James Lipton at the Actors Studio type of deal. <laughs> but uh, you know, your favorite. But I couldn't get into the real good questions, you know. So I came up with these. If you could play one show with anybody, living or dead, or any combination, who would it be? See, for me, being the vers- being versatile and listening to so many kinds of music, it's a lot of them. I mean, one would be, you know, James Brown of the Apollo, and yeah. the Fillmore, uh, Ray Barreto in his band playing the Cheetah. The original SIR was called the Cheetah Club oh. back in the day. Uh-huh. Yeah, before it was SIR on, tw- on 57. They just closed. They just closed. I heard. I heard. Yeah, it's called the Cheetah, which was a great club back in the day of watching all the Latin bands. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it would be Hendrix at the Fillmore or being part of Humble Pie at the Fillmore. You know, it's, that, that, I guess it matches the question, but uh, yeah, James Brown at the Apollo or, or, or Miles Davis, 1959, when things were changing. Oh. 1959, things changed musically with all those kind of bands that were coming up. And they just changed, you know, from, from bebop to this whole other thing. Before it got to the '60s, before it got to Miles, yeah. we watched a great yeah. documentary on Miles. Yeah, um, my the my guitar player, in my first band, wound up going to work for Miles in the later years. He used to have something to do with his Ferraris and this and that and the other thing. Oh, and uh, I lost touch with him, so I didn't get any of the really cool stuff. And he wrote a book, of course. But yeah, man, Miles. I uh, we used to do yeah. um, we used to do Miles Beyond the song Miles yeah. Beyond. Um, who did that? It was a Mahavishnu, I think, maybe? A Mahavishnu. Actually, quite a few bands. A combination of Chick Corea with different bands. Oh. Um, the drummer from Journey. What's his name? Great drummer. Steve uh, Smith. Smith, yeah. Steve Smith. Steve Smith. I saw him do it one time. But yeah, that time period, 1959, 
when jazz started changing and people were really experimenting, the bass players were, were changing and just the whole vibe of rewriting, you know, taking another chance. It was another pinnacle time uh, in life when things, you know, and I would have loved to have been around that and being able to play if I was able, capable of sitting in with that kind of stuff, you know. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's my list. You can do whatever you want. I said, it's my list. You can do whatever you want. You want to go to 57, brother? I'm taking you back. I mean, as a kid, uh, watching watching Sam and Dave, and going, I'm going, wow, what is that? And then, and then fucking Beatles just blew it out the fucking door. You know, like, what is that? I want to do that, too. So it was, I was, you know, I was never torn. I was kind of going... I want to do that. Oh, I want to do that too. And then seeing, uh, you know, and then, when, and then when the English invasion came over, I used to, I used to go to the Murder in Case show, oh, and wow. I saw the the Who with the, uh, uh, I forget well, the other band, Wilson Pickett and Patti LaBelle and Martha Reason and Vandellas, Mary, Mary Wells. I used to go to the Murder Case show in Brooklyn because we, we we had a theater in Brooklyn. Right. And they were like every, every band played for t- fifteen minutes or something. You know, you know, you know, Pepe Castro, right? Pepe, yeah, a long time ago. Oh, yeah. yeah, Pepe's. Well, Pepe was on those yeah. tours with the Blues Magoos. Yeah, Blues Magoos. That's right. Yeah, he was on the <clears> show. And I, I had Pepe on the show, and and it, and it's so weird how things connect. I, I, the day that I was going to have Pepe on the show, we were reading through the John book, and we were in 1967 on that tour, and it mentions the That's Blues right. Magoos. Yeah. Cream, the who, right? Mitch, um, I saw the one. Mitch Herman, Herman, I know Herman's Hermits. Hermits. Oh, early on. Herman's Hermits. Yeah, in '67, it was uh, it was Cream, the Who, Herman's Hermits, and uh, the Blues Magoos. Right. Right. What about the Canadian band? There was a Canadian band. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Something with an M. Mandela, something or. Uh, something like I know who you're talking about, and they had it. Didn't they have an instrumental song? Yeah, they had a hit. They had a hit, too, back then. But at the Murder Case show, I mean, those shows were in Manhattan. We had the shows in Brooklyn uh, with Mitch Ryder and Wilson Pickett and, you know, all that stuff. And again, early on, the mixture of those, the, the, you know, how they all formulate together, it, it worked to me. It, it all kind of worked. Well, think about, I mean, think about what we saw coming up as kids. At 12 years old, I saw Paul Revere and the Raiders. I saw the birds. I saw the Wii Five, the circle. The uh, I saw uh, the, the, the Who. I saw Hendrix. I saw... It, I mean, you could yeah. not get the blend going. Yeah, and, and I have to really bless Bill Graham for bringing that venue and bringing those kind of bands together for three bucks. You know, see three great bands. Yeah. You know, Band, you know, jazz, Woody Herman's band with, with uh, Martha Hoople or whatever. No, Woody Herman, Les Zeppelin, somebody else. Uh, it, it was amazing. The combination of the, the bands were, were absolutely stunning because you got, you, 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 you got an education, you know? Yeah. There was one, there was one show where it was, uh, it was Miles and Hendrix. No, Miles and Sly and Family Stone. Oh, no, Hendrix and Sly and Family Stone. Wow. Oh, that yeah. must have been. Yeah, and they, they got put on later on. But again, that stuff, like you know, like I said, Woody Herman, uh, I, I can't, I can't, my brain is just rattling so many different... I know, it's like, yeah. you try to do this and it's like, God, you can't remember. I'm going to fly in Youngbloods. Ah, yes, the Youngbloods. 
Young blood, the nine butterflies saw last. It, it might have been the last time I took the film work because it had to be '69. Wow. Eighty seventy. Um, but again, Bill Graham bringing that on to us and furthering our education with jazz and rock and folk, you know, and Melanie and you know, it was, just, it was a very strange. It was a lot of beautiful people experimenting. Mm-hmm. These guys, and these guys were kids. Yeah, it was a, those guys were kids. Cream, and you know, those guys were kids. Yeah, Pepe, Pepe was seventeen on that tour. He was seventeen years old on that tour, and with a hit record. What does that do to your mind? Wow. Uh, oh, yeah. It was. It's just all the stuff that we appreciated were, were coming from young bloods, changing the scenes. Yeah, and and uh, um, the seeds, the trogs. The, I mean, there was so trogs. Yeah, pushing too hard. The what? The music machine with the guys that wore the one glove. Wow, the music machine! Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're old. <laughs> you're older. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll I'll make I'll make you feel old. You see the speakers behind me. Yep. Right. You. Know, I know. You know these. These are the horror tones. Yes. Oh yes. Well, you old bastard, you. But yeah. But but you see the, the my my it's joke about that is there's no tissue over them. There's no napkins or tissue over them. No. Oh, over the NS10s. No. 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 But the horror tones. Every time I refer to horror tones as horror tones, only one person ever has said, "Wow, you you get you call them horror tones." Everybody calls them horror tones. Exactly. And the ones with the tissue over them go, why do you have to do that? You know? Uh, yeah, like, like I could ever hear the difference. Oh, wow, that's the wrong tissue, man. You need, <laughs> you're using Scott. We need, uh, you know, we need Downey or whatever it is. Oh, man, listen, this, this has just been... <laughs> This has been a joy for me, bro. To to here, to be in the same virtual room with you without having somebody say, "Hey, come here, we gotta go." Yeah, so distraction. Yeah, exactly. I we, agree. I agree, hundred percent. Well, you have you have the. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. At our age now, it's really important that we we socialize a bit, a lot different. I mean, we we should have done it when we were younger, but we didn't know any better because we were running so fast, moving so fast. You know, at that point in time. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, man? We 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 never we may have stumbled, but we never fell. And you know, yeah. thank you for that. So here's what I would love to do. First of all, you've you've got the key to the room. If you if you're passing by, because I know you're gonna have a little extra time on your hand. You see somebody in there, knock on the door, just like Mark. Yeah, we're gonna have and Peppy back. For you're gonna, I'm gonna have Peppy back. So just uh, you know, uh, what I'll do is let me, back. Let me know. Let me know. Uh, exactly. Let me know. And I'm gonna keep the numbers of uh, the information. So if I need to jump in on somebody, there's, there's a, you've had a few people that I actually had questions for. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. uh, um, again, it's just it's just. It's, it's, you know, there was a point in our lives where, um, you know, you're not going to know everything. No. You know, it's, it's just stupid to think you know everything in the first fucking place. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just always good to be curious. And as a kid, you were the same way too. What's going on over there? How do you do that, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just I, mean, I still want to be 16, like Mark was saying. I still want to be 16, 15. And once I stop feeling that, then I shouldn't be playing anymore. Exactly, but you see, 
But you are 16. You are. We are. I mean, we just, just don't look in the mirror. I don't look. I don't look. And, uh, you know, uh, you have children? No children for you? No, no, no. no. See, none for us either. We're still practicing, but none for us either. And, and, and I think that's, that and music is what... We're practicing. Um, that and music has has kept that Peter Pan light on, man. And I, I you know, yeah. no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for us. It doesn't work. It wouldn't work any other way because then it, then it's, it gets mechanical, it gets too control. Yeah, you know, it just it just again, it still has to be done organically, and you have to really share what you're hearing, and you have to share. You have to, you know, like I said earlier about passing it forward. Um, it's just it's imp- it's important. The listening, it's important. You know, in, any, in, a, in a conversation, in yep. a relationship, and that's what we do as musicians, and we give back. You know, and not being able to do that, it's really frustrating and really uncomfortable at the moment right now, because I'm, I'm so used to giving and being out there and traveling and going back to Europe twice a year, which I love, but we still do. I, I still do that. Uh, I miss not seeing my friends over there. You know, yeah, I have a lot of really great friends, a lot of, a lot of wonderful people that uh, they've been very loyal, very good to me. And took good, taking great care of me, you know, helping helping me move forward in my life. Well, we should invite him on and have a party yeah. like we do. I got. I'm going to give you Alan Chow's number. Oh, you got? Yeah, absolutely. Do I, I'd yeah. love to. Talk. I haven't spoken to him. Great playing with Alan again. You know, after after so many years we've been apart, and then coming back and doing this Bowie alumni thing, it's been absolutely brilliant. It's been fun again. Playing with the, the DNA, playing with the gang, you know. Well, I, 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 I'm joking. Yeah, I'm so sorry I missed that, man. I, you know, but listen, you, you uh, I, the fact that you, you know, extended the invitation, I'll take the rain check on so that for sure. Next year, for sure, I'm going to call you ahead of time. Please. And I'm going to try out one of your Puerto Rican shirts too for the stage. Oh, oh no, 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 no! You don't have to wait that long. I was going to ask you what size. <laughs> I'm a large. Large. Okay. Go to the site and tell us. Yeah, go fun. go to the site. And uh, go, myname.com and pick out what you like and let me know. And uh, I'll get it. Uh, oh, do we have the mask? I have the matching oh, mask now. Mask. I got the mask now. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hook you up, bro. I, I'm going to hook you up. Uh, uh, do you see Ferroni out there? Do you see Steve? Yeah, I see Ferroni. When, uh, last time we saw Ferroni, we did a video for, uh, for Bernard for his, uh, one of his songs in his album. Bernard. You know, Ferroni, we run into at the Baked Potato. That's, that's, I, we always catch up there and see a bunch of bands people that we know and um, Bernard and I always tight because we, we do the Bowie thing together and I work on a lot of a lot of his solo stuff but then we always get together somehow some way something always comes up and there we are in a room which is great yeah and he's the best cool. I, you know I, I'm, I'm so glad to still be you know still be connected with Steve and and it's funny because we all sort of share that one little tragic fact together, the, you know, the three of us, uh, in losing somebody that, you know. Yeah, Bobby Chenard. I mean, there's, there's, there's a list. It's amazing, man. Yeah, Bobby, there's, God. There's a list we can go down and, and bless them because, they're, you know, we have, we have their history in our minds. We should never forget them. You know, those pleasant, those funny ass moments that you couldn't explain to outsiders. Mm-hmm. Right, shit. exactly. <laughs> And we still laugh at it. Yeah, we do still laugh. And I'll tell you what, and a lot of it went, a lot of it happened at the China Club, a lot of it happened at the Beacon. I mean, it, 
we just for us to come from the center of the universe, man, what a blessing that is. And, uh, you know, to be on this side of the rainbow and still, uh, you know, I'm still waiting for what I'm going to do next. And because of this pandemic, I've done this show, but now I'm going to start sending tracks around. I, they, we are not stopping. We're, we're just, they're just letting us get a breath. Yeah, we can't stop because we have, we have that education to move forward. Yep. Yep. You know, we have an education to move forward to, to pass it on forward. And we're not going to. You're going to have to fucking take me out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hear you. And, you know, that's. I don't need- yeah, oh, it's yeah. Remy. That's Remy. That's Remy. Yeah, I, I, I saw it in the video. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm talking about you this morning. That's right, that's right. Hey. Some dog, some dog shit at me. Oh, it's right. Carmine. Yeah, come on, come on. He sings, Hi. Carmine. Huh? Yeah, he, yeah, he was talking this morning. In the jungle. In the jungle. Oh, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> it's closer to a kid as I'll ever have. Yep. <laughs> but he's a good one. Oh man, listen, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eat some dinner. Um, I will call you over the next couple of days. Happy Labor Day. Is that is Thank that you, uh, Vegas? Have a great weekend. You too. Is the Vegas number still the number? Seven zero two. Yeah, directly to oh, me. And okay. That's one mark had. Okay. We'll catch up over the next couple of days, and we'll start to figure out ways that we can get into musical trouble yeah, and together. And I'll send you Alan's number, and anybody else you need or whatever to get in touch. Let's keep this thing going, please. Cool. Perfect. Perfect. We will, brother. It was good to see you. I love you, you guys. I uh, love you, love man. You. I miss you, and uh, I'll see you very soon, but we'll talk over the next couple of days. Last thing, the guitar player. The guitar player, which? Mark uh, Hitt? No. Sorry? No. Oh, Godfrey. Godfrey Townsend? Yes. What's up with Godfrey? No idea. You know how that goes. I, I haven't, I don't think, think I've even spoken to him in 20 years. Since before John um, died. Yeah. It's, you know, he, uh, I know that, I know that he's doing very, I, I, he was playing with the Yardbirds, you know, you here. And um, he's been doing uh, hippie. Uh, hippie Fest and, you know, the, the best of kind of tours. So yeah, he's been playing with everybody from uh, Flo, and Eddie. Oh, Flo and Eddie to... Yeah, I mean, he knows something, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if I see him before you do, I'll tell him you were asking for him. Yeah, please, because I, 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 I never forgot him. He's a great guitar player. Great, great guitar player. player. Yeah. Great guitar player. Yeah. All right, brother. All right, man. I'll see weekend. you out there. You got it. Thanks, bro. This was great. Well, it was great catching up with Carmine. He's a monster musician, and if you ever get the chance to see him play, you should do it. And that's going to do it for Episode 1 here on Season 2 of Rock and Roll Show and Tell, coming to you from the No Gloom Ballroom. And remember... I'll see you out there, but if I don't see you in the future, I'll see you in the pasture. <laughs>